You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen, for another ETF deep dive. But this week, we are not looking just at one ETF. Yes, uh, we are looking at two ETFs, two of the most popular ETFs in the country, We've got the IVV ETF from iShares versus the VGS ETF from Vanguard. Are they the same? Are they different? What's better? We'll find out in this episode, this deep dive. As you know, we like to go through these episodes about once every month. We alternate between shares or ETFs. So typically every second month, you'll find us doing a deep dive on an ETF. And they're typically the popular ETFs that you choose. You can write into us and let us know. Uh, and we just go end-to-end what you need to know about these ETFs. In particular today, there's two of them, so plural. Uh, normally, it's one. We've done like HGen in the past. We did shares like Woolworths in the past, uh, Macquarie, so many different businesses as well as uh, ETFs. Today, we're doing two. And it's going to be a bit of fun, Kate. Yes. And just note, this is not a recommendation from myself, Owen, or the RAS group. However, for full disclosure, I do hold the VGS ETF and the RAS group holds the IVV ETF. Yes, yeah, so it's Kate versus the RAS group, in other words. But uh, we're recording this on the 15th of May, 2023. We are hopefully going to use some facts and figures. These facts and figures may be a couple of days out of date. They may be at using different time periods, for example, if we look at the performance it's really important to remember that past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. Yes, and you can go straight to the Vanguard or the iShares website to find the latest data, which 
because people listen to these episodes at all sorts of points in time, maybe you're listening 12 months in the future, you want to go and find the most accurate information because even things like management fees for the ETF, what the ETF charges you to provide the service have been changing a lot. So even that is something you want to go and do some research on. Would also encourage you when you're on the ETF provider's website, so Vanguard in the case of VGS or iShares in the case of IVV, please go and check out their PDS or product disclosure statement and target market determination or TMD. These two documents spell out exactly what the ETF is, as well as some of the risks. And finally, speak to a financial advisor if you're confused about anything that we say. We are going to jump straight into the VGS ETF. But before we do that, please keep in mind, we're not going to explain what it, an ETF is and all those basics. We've done that quite a few times on the show. So please go back in the catalog. Just in case anyone needs a refresher, an ETF is just like a basket of shares. And we're going to explain what's inside those two different baskets today. So VGS, Kate, what is it? VGS is the Vanguard MSCI Index International Shares ETF. So it is investing in companies from developed markets all around the world, excluding Australia. So thinking Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, ExxonMobil, lots of different companies. And there is a lot in this ETF. There's over 1,400 different companies in this ETF. So one purchase of the VGS ETF in your brokerage account, like Perla, Selfwealth, Comsec, CMC Markets, whatever you use, one purchase of this ETF gets you a basket that includes around 1,400 different shares from around the world. Obviously, they've excluded Australia because you live in Australia. The reason that they do that and they don't say, oh, it's just everything, is because uh, they're trying to uh, allow you to invest in countries outside of your home country. Yeah, it's a portfolio diversifier. So it gives us a way to invest in companies around the world that we probably wouldn't be able to access that easily on our own, or at least it would take a bit of effort to own some of these companies in a separate brokerage account. Yep. So we can see that the the actual ETF itself started in 2014, but the fund, so remember an ETF is just like a wrapper. It's a way to get in or out of a particular investment. So the ETF is wrapped around a fund that has been going since 1997. Uh, so that's a very, very long track record. Both of these, even since 2014, is a long track record for an ETF. And Vanguard, the issuer of this ETF, has been going for a long time. I think we've spoken about, oh, there was an individual episode we cross-published on the finance podcast a few months ago, all about Vanguard. Owen and Drew took a deep look into that. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. Yeah, so Vanguard started by a guy called John Bogle back in the 1970s. Uh, it's one of the first index fund providers. In fact, it was number two. And it was one of the first, one of the first ETF adopters in the 90s, I believe. Second only, and I could be mistaken, to iShares, which is the issuer of the IBV ETF, which we'll get to in just a moment. So regardless, both of these ETF providers, Vanguard for VGS and iShares for IBV, have been in the market for an incredibly long time period of time. Two of the biggest money managers in the world, in fact. Uh, so you don't have to really sacrifice on quality for either of them. Like sometimes you get a new ETF by a new provider and you think, are their systems up for it? These two have proven that they are indeed up for it. And the good thing about these ETFs is they give us a long-term performance track record. So I, I know we'll jump into performance a little bit later, but that is one of the benefits of having the ETF having started such a long time ago. You can actually see how it has performed over a long period of time. Yes. One of the things that's a bit geeky, but we do like to mention quickly, 
is this ETF, VGS, and in fact, IVV, are Australia domiciled for tax. What that means is if you go to their website, there'll be a thing that says domicile, and it'll say the country. Both of them are Australia. What that means is that you don't have to fill out separate tax forms. But if it said domicile USA, for example, you would have to fill out tax forms that apply for the USA. You don't have to worry about that. For VGS, you can go to ComputerShare if you own units in this ETF and figure out all your tax details there, upload your email address and what have you. And Management fees? Management fees, an important part, Kate. 0.18% per annum. Very low. Not the lowest, but very low. It is quite low for an ETF. Yeah. Uh, for an ETF that does so much, you think about it, Vanguard has to go and take your money and go and make sure all of the 1,472 different shares are purchased and held safely uh, from right around the world. And collect those dividends, pay out distributions and all that sort of stuff. Make sure you can access everything. And they do that for 0.18%. So when you've got a you know $10,000, 0.18% isn't that bad. If you had $10 million, obviously you'd start to think, well, this is actually getting pretty expensive. Um, fortunately, the other ETF that we're going to talk to in a minute does have a lower fee, but it does something slightly different. All right, it's a pretty big ETF. It has a $5.8 billion invested in the ETF itself at the moment, at the time of recording. So that is huge, Owen. Yeah, it's a big one. It's one of the big five ETFs in Australia. So typically what you'll see in your brokerage account, if, they, if that broker does a list of the most popular things, which we'll get to in a minute, we've got some data from Perla, who's a sponsor of the show, it will say, what are the most popular ETFs? What are the most popular shares? And almost always VGS is in the top five almost always, no matter which broker it is, because people like to dollar cost average. What that means is people like to get their $1,000 a month that's reserved for their investing and they just invest it straight into VGS or 500 bucks every two months or whatever it is. It, that's dollar cost averaging at its finest. And this is a perfect ETF for dollar cost averaging. So that's why we see the actual ETF itself is 5.8 billion. The fund as a whole, so not just the ETF, but the one that you can invest in via the Vanguard website, have $31 billion, which is a it's a lot of scratch. Yeah. Some of them overseas, though, Kate, have hundreds of billions. Yeah. It's hard to visualize that kind of yeah. size. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. So maybe we can get to performance once we've gone through IVV, if that's okay. Yeah, we can do a bit of a comparison there. Yeah. So we, we'll maybe just switch gears now and talk about IVV, which is the kind of the competitor from iShares. So iShares, one of the biggest ETF providers in the world, in fact, maybe even the biggest ETF provider in the world, trades under the ticker symbol here in Australia, IVV. Just before you get to what it does, Kate, so Kate's going to tell you what it actually does, but it's important to understand that what IVV technically does, the Australian version is it just takes your money and it just invests it in the US equivalent of itself. So you'll find another one in the USA. All that this one does is just take your money and invest it over there. But, but what do you get, Kate, when you do that? Yes. Yeah, so the iShares S&P 500 ETF, we're getting exposure to the largest 500 US stocks by market cap. So with one purchase, we're instantly invested in the top 500 US listed companies. So things like Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Google, very similar names to, I picked a few different ones out, but the top holdings are very similar to the other ETF we've just talked about. Yeah. So some of the key differences here are one of them is that the management fee is 0.04. So whereas for VGS it was 0.18, this is 0.04. So less than a quarter of the fee. But you are only investing in 500 US shares, not 1,472 global shares. 
The other thing is the the date that they started, Kate. Yes. So the IVV ETF's been running since 2007. So that was when it was listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, mm-hmm. but it's been going for a bit longer than that beforehand. So around the year 2000. So in the actual fund underneath it, it's a little bit uh, younger than the VGS ETF or fund, but the actual ETF itself has been going for quite a bit longer. It's got about 53 billion dollars invested. So it's just a little bit smaller than VGS. And as we said, it's got about 500 shareholdings, also tax domiciled in Australia, also pays its distributions quarterly, and also uses computer share. So very, very similar type of ETF or fund that you could invest in. The key differences, once again, are the fees at 0.04 versus 0.18 for Vanguard and the holdings themselves. Yes especially the country allocation, which is probably the one of the biggest factors if we're comparing things today. Yes. So we can talk briefly about that, actually. I've actually just got my Vanguard fund compare tool up. So at the period uh, in, I think it was the end of March uh, this year, I've got some data here that shows roughly the Vanguard VGS ETF had around 69% invested in the United States. So 69%. Now, if you think about it, for the IVV ETF, it's basically 100% because all it does for IVV, invests in the USA. For VGS, it invests all around the world. So you get a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, And now this is where it gets interesting, Kate, because some people want the other stuff. So some people want some Europe, some people want some Japan, and some people want some of those other countries like the UK. I can see Switzerland's around about 3% here in my numbers. Japan, 6%. Um, and you can, some people want that stuff. And this is where it kind of splits philosophically. So some people say, well, we should invest globally and therefore we should get everything. Now, but let's have a quick look at performance. And I've got my data just here. I'll just make sure I got it up. It's coming from the Vanguard website as at the end of April, uh, 2023. So over five years, which is the, I always go when I'm looking at performance, by the way, always go to the maximum number that's available for both ETFs. If it's not available, like if it's not anything less than three years is not trustworthy. So over the full five-year period, we've got the IVV ETF at 14.11% per annum for the VGS ETF 11.19. In other words, the IVV ETF wins by about three percentage points per year over the past five years. Yes, which would make sense considering the performance of the US stock market over the recent years. Yeah, but some people, Kate, what they'll say is, they'll say, okay, but if you look at this, what's the riskiness? Like how, so in finance, we measure the riskiness by the random ups and downs, like the bouncing up and down. So we can measure that too over the same period. And over the same period, over five years, the iShares IVV ETF has a standard deviation, won't bore you with the statistics too much, of 13.4. For the VGS ETF, it's 12.4. So there's only one point different. What this tells you is that the ETF the ETFs are equally as risky. So from the ups and downs, very, very, very similar. You wouldn't notice a difference. But from a performance perspective, the IVV ETF has won over five years. Now, this is the key point, Kat, you brought up just before you said it would make sense given the US. What did you mean by that? Well, from as far as I know, over the last 10 years, the US stock market has performed very strongly given the number of tech companies like Amazon and Google and Apple. Yeah, and you'd be right. The IVV ETF is all US companies, whereas VGS does have some exposure to 
other markets like Japan is the second largest market there. And then you've got Europe and then you've got UK and all these. And just think about the things that have happened over the past 10 years. You have Brexit, you've got the European Union with like all different, like the debt ceiling, if you're, if you're old enough to remember that in the 2010 era. You've got all like the argy-bargy countries wanting to come into the European Union, some wanting to exit. You know, overall, and then Japan has like a stock market that went sideways for forever, it seems. So a lot of things going wrong with those other countries. Whereas America, America has a very, very strong uh, democracy. Like it's quite polarized at the moment for sure. And it's not perfect. But as you know, we think about the US dollar. We think about, we watch American movies. We use American technology. We adopt American ideals for freedom. So for the most part, America has exported itself. And by investing at the center of that, you've won. And that's not over five years. It's over like 30 years, maybe even longer, you could say. Now, some people say that that's not going to go on forever. So this is where you have to make a choice of what's the next 30 years going to look like. For me personally, I don't think it's all or nothing, by the way. If you use IVV, the, the, the S&P 500, the US 500 one, this is the key thing for me, Kate, is you've got to be prepared that you may have to buy another ETF eventually that covers the other stuff. But if you're right about the US continuing to grow, then you probably will win, I think. But it's just an active debate whether you think that's enough. And how much exposure you want to countries outside of Australia and the US. Yeah. Which when you look at your super funds portfolio, they often They'll have a little bit. provide exposure to more than just Australia and US. Yeah, they might have 10% or something like that. Or they might have emerging markets, which is another whole ETF. And to be honest, you'd probably, so you know the ETF that you referenced before, the VGS ETF, if I'm not mistaken, that's just developed countries, right? So what that means in, in um, to break that down for everyone listening, when you say, when we say developed markets on, in finance, what we mean is like the USA, Canada, Japan, uh, UK, and these types of countries, Australia, that have stable democracies and like thriving economies. Now, places like China are slowly coming up. They were an emerging country and now it's debated if, if, it's, a, if it's a developed country. Uh, but then there are other, there's another layer below that, which is even riskier again, and they're called frontier markets. So I don't know, so I'm just going to guess, but maybe something like Somalia would probably be a frontier market rather than an emerging market. Kate's giving me the face, I'm giving the face. I don't know, but I'm guessing that's a frontier market. So you get the idea. Oh, I haven't heard of the term frontier market, so <laughs> okay. I have no idea. Okay, so, that's it. so if you got developed, that's the most stable you got like good property rights, stable governments. Then you've got, you know, uh, emerging markets, which might be like Thailand or places like that. And then further down, you've got like Somalia, where it's not really like stable governments and, and so on and so forth. And so both of these ETFs target developed markets only. But here's the rub, Kate. A lot of people will know this, but if you buy any ETF that invests in Apple, some of Apple's revenue and business is done in countries outside of the USA. In fact, there was a Goldman Sachs report that I read a few years ago that showed that 30% of the income or revenue or sales that those companies make in the top 500 US companies comes from outside the USA. Yeah, like when I buy an Apple device from JB Hi-Fi, JB Hi-Fi is making some money and that's an Australian business. Yes, but Apple's also making money. Most of the money. But yeah, yeah, most of the money. But I guess that shows you how a US company is making and employing people all the way around the world. Exactly. So even though the shares for Apple might be US, its business is global. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. So what I do is I prefer the IVV ETF 
because I get American law when I invest. So when my money goes from Australia and is invested by iShares in the US, I know that that connection is pretty strong. And then once the money's in the US, I know it's going to be governed by US law. Rather than if I invest in, say, say the Vanguard one, and it goes to somewhere um, and is managed somewhere overseas, I don't understand the jurisdictions or the currencies or whatever. I like kind of like the simplicity of investing um, my money in IVV. Now, I'm not saying go and sell BGS. No, this is not just, <laughs> we're not talking about that today, but I think you could easily have both of these. It's just which one do you prefer? I prefer IVV. And we've talked about it in the past that then you would have another ETF that does some of the other stuff if you want that specifically. Yeah. And that's kind of that question of the overlap, because if you do look at these two ETFs in the top holdings, there is a substantial amount of overlap. I mean, Apple is the largest position by far in both of these ETFs. So if you own both, you are getting yeah. increased exposure to Apple. If I owned, okay, so I would, if I owned, it's okay to own both of them. I want to be clear about this. It's okay to own both of them, but don't treat them like you're diversifying because you're not really. You are a very, very small amount with the VGS, but they're both the same. So meaning that if you had 10% in one and 10% in the other, don't treat it as two different investments. Treat it as one whole. So that's 20% that you're invested in mostly yeah. overseas well, companies. 70% US in VGS. So you are. Yeah. In that instance, you'd have 17% of your money just in the US alone. So in that case, treat it as one. If you have the NDQ ETF from beta shares, I would say that that would be, you'd be really cautious about having the NDQ and IVV because NDQ is the NASDAQ 100, which is a very popular ETF. I would probably choose one or the other. Yeah, because there is even a more significant amount of overlap. Yeah, you may as well just pick one. Yeah. Um, but with the VGS, you could have IVV or you could have uh, NDQ sitting beside. In fact, I imagine that's what a lot of people do is they have VGS as their core global exposure and then they get the NDQ one, the NASDAQ 100 one from BetaShares, just for extra tech. Yeah, and you may choose to use that as a increased thematic exposure to the trend of technology in the US. So sometimes people will increase their exposure to a particular ETF or layer something on top to show a particular viewpoint. Yeah, so you might say, well, I do like my VGS ETF. It gives me exposure to everything. But I also do think that technology shares are probably going to be the winners. I'm not going to bet everything on it. That's why I've got BGS. But I'll increase my exposure by owning more uh, technology companies through NDQ. So Yeah, and they'd both be core positions in a portfolio. Absolutely. Like you could, yeah. Or, yeah. IVV, VGS, core positions. You can even say NDQ is core, but just to be more risky. Now, who owns these? Who owns these? These ETFs. So we've got some data from Perla here, Kate. Yes, the sponsor of the show. Yes, long-term sponsor of the Australian Finance Podcast, Perla. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's always interesting because on the Perla website, any ETF, and I think share as well, you can look up that ticker code. You can type in the IVV or the VGS code that we've talked about today, and you can see lots of data about the ETF itself, but also who owns it. So if yeah. you're a bit, uh, yeah, want a bit of a sticky beak, you can see that for the IVV ETF, over 3,500 Perlers are investing in this ETF. Most of them are between 26 and 35 years old. And 54% of the IVV investors on the Perla platform are women. Yeah. So that's actually, it's interesting because you've got more of a tilt towards females investing in this. You also do have a slight tilt towards the VGS ETF, but not as strong. It's only 51.5%. So 
slightly more women as a percentage investing in IVV versus VGS. Yeah, very similar age group yes. and just over 6,300 Perla investors are investing in the VGS ETF. So on Perla, VGS is definitely more popular. But what's interesting is that it also shows you what they're what else they're invested in. So you can go on Perla and you can see, okay, they're invested in VGS, but what else do they own? And it's interesting because the top five for both, if you own the top, like if you own VGS, you're going to own VAS, the Australian shares from Vanguard. You're going to own Argo, the Lick. You're going to own A200. And it's exactly the same for VGS versus IVV. It's just the order might change. So the investors all have the same kind of portfolios. Yeah, or VDHG was in there, the diversified Vanguard ETF. So I guess it shows people are using this as a core portfolio with some Australian equities exposure as well. Yeah, so if you want US shares, your chances are you're going to have Aussie shares right beside it. Uh, And that's what we're seeing in the data from Perla. It's just the, the really interesting thing is just the extra skew towards more female investors uh, in IVV, but it's not that big of a difference. It's just interesting. And it's good to see, to be honest. I know a lot of women that use Perla and say it's amazing. So um, it's not really surprising there. And so at the end of the day, core position, Kate? Core position. I would use that as a core position in my portfolio. I probably wouldn't invest in both just because I've already got one and I probably don't need to add an additional one. Mm-hmm. So more, it's a case of or rather than and. So if you're yeah, one of those investors that are listening to this and you think, I've already got VGS and Owen just said he likes IVV, I'll just go and buy that one too. Probably don't need to. You can probably just, just pick one and stick with it. They're both really good ETFs. They're both. You know, yeah. And you might already nice. have a US ETF in your portfolio. So that's where you want to really, before you buy your next ETF, you want to make sure you know what's in your portfolio. You know at least which country it's invested in predominantly and you know some of the top 10 holdings. So you can quickly spot if what you're about to invest in overlaps significantly with what you've already got. Because then it's just adding unnecessary complexity to your life. Yeah, don't need it. So remember for every ETF, you've got a separate tax form (laughs) at the end of the year. You've got um, more things to worry about in your brokerage account and more things to potentially make a decision about in the future. Do I hold it? Do I sell it? Do I hold it? Do I sell it? And especially if you want to automate your investments on a monthly or a quarterly basis, the less ETFs and things you have to set up, the easier it is. Yeah, I know with Perla, you can create your own portfolio that you want from the outset and it will automatically add every month to the one that's the least held and you can just set it to automate and it's so much easier than trying to tinker with the values every month. Yeah. So if you want to buy an ETF, for example, VGS or IVV, after you've done your research and read all the important documents and spoken to a financial advisor, you will need a brokerage account. So some of the popular brokerage accounts in our community include Comsec, Stake, Perla, Selfwealth, and Sharesies. And we have done some in-depth episodes on choosing a brokerage account and share registries. So you'll probably have heard we said something called computer share earlier in the episode. So you can learn about that as well. And so you can just place an order. So you can say, I want to buy $500 worth of this ETF. Yep. And notice how we uh, didn't use the full names of the the ETFs throughout the show. We didn't say, you know, the Vanguard Miski Index International Shares ETF. We just said VGS. The reason we did that is because it gets very confusing when you've got those long names. So you can just use the ticker symbol VGS or IVV. Use that to look it up in your brokerage account. Yeah. And that if you want to learn more on the website of iShares or Vanguard, you can literally just Google VGS 
even sometimes to narrow it down, I write ASX next to it, and then that'll pop up with search results. You can look at the Australian Stock Exchange website and they have data. You can also go straight to the provider's website like Vanguard and look at the information. So it has everything you need to know, including all the holdings, but I usually just sort of start with the top 10 to get an idea. And we also have more information on our website, bestetfs.com.au. Yes. And I'll put a link in the show notes to a tool that you can compare ETFs with. So the Vanguard, the Vanguard, you can use the Vanguard website to put the different tickers of like the different ETFs in and you can compare them or show you what's the return, what's the top 10 holdings, what is like the fee, and it shows you side by side all of the the information you want to know about your ETFs. Yeah. And we probably should mention that when you're investing in ETFs, especially in ETFs that are investing in US companies, this is a long-term investing decision. Yes. It's not something that you would want to go listen to this podcast, go and buy one now and then change it next week. This is money that's, you know, five to 10 years locked away, long-term investing. You'll get some dividends, but it's long-term investing because there will be years when it's bad. Yeah. And when Owen and I buy these ETFs, we are thinking 10 plus years in the future. We're not thinking about selling them in the next day, week or year. So what that means for you is two things. One, prepare yourself for the long term. But two, take your time. There's no rush. The ETFs will still be here in a month if you decide you're going to need a bit more time to think about it. Yeah. And we add small amounts on a regular basis. So we don't get all of our money and just put it in one ETF at once. We, well, for me, I invest in these ETFs quarterly and I'm not sure about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's either monthly or quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, and then there are sometimes trades that go through just because they're automated. For example, the broker can read your bank statement and go like, well, there's some money sitting there. Do you want to invest in it? And you can set a rule so it automatically does that for you, Yeah, which is pretty cool. And uh, if you're interested in more research on ETFs or how to build a portfolio, we actually have got a service called Rascore that we run. We've got lots of members that use this for a bit of guidance when they're getting started. Yes. It's Rascore. It's $9.99 a month. There's a link in the show notes. So I think you can get it for 99 cents for the first 30 days. It might even help you set up and think about building your own core portfolio. The IVVs in there. And I explain why I chose IVV over VGS. And you can just start as a member. And then if you don't like it, get rid of it. It's only $9.99. So yeah, go and check that out. But Kate, this is heaps of fun. We talked Wonderful. about VGS versus IVV, two of the most popular ETFs in the country. In fact, I'd say they're two of the top five right behind the VAS ETF, which we've done a deep dive on. So plenty for people to go on. Lots of fun. Get exposure. Start owning some of the world's best companies through either one of these ETFs, if you don't yeah. mind. It's a fantastic way to become an investor. And we'll have links to lots of resources in the show notes, including our ETF mini series. If this is your very first conversation about ETFs, there is lots more to know. And we have a lot of resources to help you. So check out the show notes, keep listening, and share the podcast with a friend. Yes. Great way to start investing. Great way to keep investing with either of these two ETFs. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? 
Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.